Amber Brown, podcaster in the accounting, finance, and fintech space. Our flagship show, Accounting Influencers, is now one of the world's leading podcasts in this genre and has a number of spin off shows over the years. This particular show is now focusing on talent, which, let's face it, is one of the biggest challenges for the accounting world at the moment. And the format stays the same. I interview the experts, the influencers, and the leaders in many different aspects of culture, talent employer brand succession, talent attraction, retention, soft skills, accounting credentials, qualifications, leadership, mental well-being, the brand of the profession, employee value propositions, employee engagement, increasing capacity and headcount in accounting firms, career development, and the usual HR, learning development, DEI, the great resignation, a ton of other talent-related issues in accounting. And whether you're hiring or being hired, happy where you are or considering a move, leading or following, employed or self-employed, totally skilled up and super employable or needing to refresh your skills, sharpen your personal brand. This is the perfect podcast for you accounting, finance and tech professionals to stay competitive, relevant and informed about all things talent in accounting. So let's get moving with today's show. Influencers Broadcast Network presents Influencers in Accounting with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Brought to you by Advanced Track. Welcome to this week's interview, and I'm thrilled to have with me today the legend of marketing that is Casey Blake. Hello to you, Casey. Hi, Rob. Nice to see you. Uh, does legend fit well with you? Are you happy with that, a legend of marketing? That's a lot to live up to, but I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, Casey, why are you a legend? Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into this game. Well, I started my career actually doing marketing for a non-for-profit organization. Loved it, but was really ready to try something on a bit of a bigger playing field. And that's when I went to the largest global accounting firm and joined their marketing and sales team. Call those my sponge years. I learned a whole lot uh, about strategic marketing. And then I took that knowledge and brought it to a mid-sized firm in Boston, where I was a director of marketing for over six years and got really involved in the industry by way of associations and local organizations and taking on some leadership roles. And the role that I'm in now is the COO of Calibri Law Firm Management. And we provide outsourced fractional law firm management to firms looking to grow. And we do that by way of having chiefs of staff aligned with our firms to be those trusted advisors and executors and communicators. So I have kind of dipped my toe in a few different industries, but marketing has always been my backbone. Um, and a lot of that time has been with the accounting industry. Yeah, well, we've got you on for this episode. We'll get you on in another episode to talk about the similarities and differences between marketing in law firms and accounting firms. You uniquely having a foot in both camps there. But let's start off with the basics in this crazy world, Casey. If we looked up the word marketing in, in the Casey Blake Dictionary of Life and Business, what does that word mean these days? I feel that the most closely aligned word with marketing right now is brand. And I believe that word is actually interchangeable among the brand of your people, your culture, the external brand of what the marketplace perceives your firm as, and how you best equip your people to be brand ambassadors. And I use that term a lot, but I really believe that. When you're hiring someone or you've had someone at your firm for two decades, they are your best brand ambassadors. They're the ones doing the work. They're the ones that are relating with clients on a regular basis. 
And they're the ones that really could and should be the best equipped to market your firm externally. I love that analogy. I've just written down almost a continuum here. You've got the corporate brand, as we call it, the outward facing that is there to attract new clients, business development, sales, that kind of thing, generate new opportunities. More internally focused, you've got your employer brand, which is still internal, uh, still, still excelling that you're trying to attract candidates now and talent for your firm. So you're talking about what it's like not to work with you, but to work for you. And in the middle, stand the employees as the brand advocates saying, this is a great place to work and this is a great place to hire your advisors from because we can help you with your business. Does that sound about right? 100%. I'm actually currently working on a presentation so you're getting the inside scoop. Uh, but I'm calling it your internal voice and how it impacts your external brand. Because what I really feel strongly about is if you can envision a cycle, and this is one of the visuals, is if you're keeping your people internally feeling motivated, driven, um, engaged, listened to, and valued, all those things, they're going to do excellent work, right? So that's going to yield really happy clients because your clients are going to get the best from your employees because those employees are happy to be there. They're happy to do the work. And then those happy clients go and talk about you in the marketplace. Hey, you've got to go to this firm. They've got the best people who deliver on time and they've got excellent personalities and they really care about my business. So it's the happy people yielding happy clients, yielding new business, but you're right. It starts with those people being, you know, getting that internal voice clear. Got it. We'll come back to that, I'm sure. So we're looking at marketing for accounting firms specifically. How has the marketing game changed over the last few years? I feel that there's a lot that's changed. There's a lot that stay the same, but I will say given the pandemic, which is something we, I don't think on any podcast going forward, can we avoid bringing up COVID, right? So I think what that forced firms to do is analyze their overall strategy and their overall budget. Because what happened at the onset of COVID is a lot of firms probably said, whoa, 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 we got to pump the brakes. We're not going to have this line item for sponsorships or have this line item for events because it was A, a scary time for a lot of firms uh, financially. What are we going to do here? And also you couldn't physically be with people. So some of the things that you had budgeted for, you, you frankly couldn't do even if you wanted to. So I think what's changed though is marketing became more important than ever during the pandemic. I think that firm leaders who maybe had ever before said, do we need you know, a strategic marketing plan? Do we need someone leading marketing? The answer is yes. It should have been before the pandemic, frankly, but I think it really prompted this dialogue of we need clear strategy. We need to make sure our clients are being communicated with, and we need to make sure that what we're promoting is relevant and timely. How many websites did you see for firms? COVID-19 Resource Center, boom. That went up pretty quickly after the pandemic hit. So I would say, oh, go ahead, please. And marketing became the PR function in a way, how you communicate during a crisis, how you manage your brand, how you proactively say to clients, we're here for you. And not just in a rhetoric way, because when clients call, you don't pick up the phone. That's not really being there for them. You've got to walk the walk as well with your message. Absolutely. So I think that's one of the biggest things is also if, you know, if a firm, and depending on size, you know, some firms may not have had a strategic marketing plan. Um, and more than ever, is it important that a firm would be aligned and on the same mission to make also back to culture, but people feel like they're aligned on the same vision and goals for their firm's growth. So the marketing function pivoted during COVID times to be less about event sponsorship, lead generation, bringing in new work. It was as much as firms could do to manage the clients and the workload they already had and keep the lights on in effect. Would that be right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was that, I think, again, it was the communication piece. I mean, I know at my prior firm, we really wanted to be communicating with our clients in as real time as possible because deadline dates were being changed. You know, there were so, there was so much going on, but we as a firm wanted to be that thought leader. Yes, our client could turn the news on and see it, but we wanted them to hear from their CPA, their trusted advisor. This is, it's going to be okay. This is our guidance on this. So the communication side, and I think too, where marketing pivoted during the pandemic as well was I've, I heard it. I know I experienced it too. There was more than ever collaboration with likely human resources or people operations because there was this growing, yes, keep the lights on, but also we want our people to feel connected to one another. And you combine the forces of an HR director who is experienced in retention and recruitment and overall HR, you combine that with a marketing professional's ability to be flexible and creative and come up with ideas and events. It, it was a really nice collaborative time, I feel, between those two functions. And I'm glad you mentioned the HR function because when COVID hit, all the offices shut down and everyone's now banished to their bedrooms and kitchens and virtual workspaces. So culture goes out of the window. Nobody's really talking to one another unless it's through a webcam. Yes, it changed quickly. And I think that that's where marketing too played a really critical role in firms was um, identifying key ways that firms could stay interconnected and working closely with either their HR team or the managing partner firms to say, here are some creative ways we can still have that, again, that internal brand strong during an otherwise really challenging time. Yeah. Now, whenever we had the word marketing in professional service firms these days, Casey, it's got the word digital in front of it. Talk to us about how digital has made marketing very different to how it was, say, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, it's so important. It's so critical to a firm's overall strategy. And I think when, you know, when we think about digital, that encompasses a lot of different things. But if we look at it through a lens, let's say, of online presence, I'm just using that as one example, that alone is critical, not only for a firm to like we're attract good people and exciting people, um, it also is where people are likely starting their journey learning about you is online. They're going to Google you. They're going to see if there's any reviews. They're going to check out your website. They're going to see if you've posted in the last six months or if your blog is really stale. So over the last decade, huge, hugely important that your firm has a presence and is acknowledging why digital is important. And again, digital is flexible among you know different firms and what their goals and strategies are, but it's it's very much a part of it. And the strategy for survival is visibility, isn't it? So you've got to be seen. And these days you've got to be seen online and that's digital. Absolutely. And I think that there's so much too that we can do to uh, keep the online brand fresh. And that, you know, not to totally pivot the conversation, but about this is in making your people feel included in that too. So as a director of marketing, having your people at your firm see their everyday interactions as marketing opportunities, I think really allows the visibility to increase. Because if we say, hey, you're responding to a client's email. That's that's part of the, the job description. You want them to feel listened to. Absolutely. Well, let's take that response that you're already spending time writing and let's turn that into an FAQ for our social and our website because chances are if client A has that question, prospective client B out in the marketplace probably has the same question. So let's proactively be thought leaders, get that visibility out there that we know what we're talking about and you're already doing the work. You're already responding to an email. Flip it to your marketing director, take out anything, obviously, that's confidential, of course, but turn it into something that others can benefit from because it helps. Of course it helps. You're answering one of my questions that I haven't even asked you yet, but 
everybody in the firm can be a marketer. They wouldn't see themselves as that because they're the fee owners, they're the qualified accountants, they're the experts. But marketing departments must be crying out for these experts, the trusted advisors, to create the content so the marketers themselves don't have to because they don't know everything. That's right. Nodding there. <laughs> I'm nodding so much because it's so true. I, you know, those types of things I call the low effort, high impact activities. Low effort because if, an, if a CPA is responding to an email, let's, as I use that example, that's something they're going to do anyway. So how can we turn that into something? But yes, everyone at the firm, everybody at the firm can be a part of a marketing, of a marketing initiative. And I think from the marketing director seat, a big part of the role is understanding that it's not one size fits all. So what one partner may love doing and might enjoy public speaking, going on a podcast, uh, go, doing a news interview, another partner would rather crawl under their desk because that sounds horrible, but that might be the person you find that's helpful to do excellent writing or do great one-on-one -on -one networking events where they're meeting with an advisor. So everyone can be aligned with a marketing activity. It's just determining what's going to work best for each person respectively. And I guess when we talk to accountants and lawyers, they'll say we're super busy. We haven't got time to create content. We haven't got time to go on a podcast, do all this. But Really, they have. If it's a low effort activity that doesn't take that much more than what they're doing, that's what you would argue, right? A hundred percent. Low effort, high impact. I would even go as far as to say if you have a partner who, yeah, you're right. Uh, accountants, attorneys, they're on very strict deadlines. They have high client, client um, urgency. And also a lot of these partners are tasked with internal functions as well. Um, and so how do you maximize daily activities at, by way of turning them into marketing? And you know, I'd even suggest something as you have a great, you have a partner who's got great answers to questions, go in that partner's office, ask to record them for 10 minutes talking about something. And either you yourself or some firms might have the budget for an, outs an outside writer, but transcribe that into a blog post. Again, low effort, high impact. You're spending 10 minutes of that partner's time while maybe they're having a cup of coffee in the morning, but then you can turn that into something more. So I'm always about maximizing, taking something that's already being done. And how can you make that more? One of the best currencies professional firms have in my eyes are stories. I interview firms and their people and help them tell their stories of the great things that they're doing for their clients, for their staff, that often fly under the radar or become maybe a, a one-liner and a testimonial on a website, but they just get lost in the noise. But they can create so much great content that become powerful messages for what your firm is doing. Are you a big fan of stories? Absolutely. I think that, especially from the perspective of a prospective client, they want to know what you've done for an existing client. They are curious to say, okay, if the words to describe this firm are, they're responsive, they're personable, they're friendly, they listen to my needs, that is, that's worth its weight in gold. And in theory, it's like free marketing. You know, if, if you have a success story like that, and I think it is really important. They do get lost, you're right, I think often on websites because testimonials may live in like a little small hidden section under the like about us tab or whatever <laughs> it is. But I think storytelling is so important because it also allows um, people to see those in professional services as human beings. And I think that's a really big connecting point with accountants, attorneys, wealth advisors, bankers, for a prospective client to feel that they're talking to someone on a human level, that speaks volumes and stories are really important. Mm -hmm. Now you work with law firms, but I know you also go into accounting firms as well and help them with their marketing. What are the first steps in thinking strategically about marketing, Casey? You must see a lot of firms that are doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that, the odd event here, a bit of social media, but it's not really joined up 
and it's not linked into other functions within the firm. Yeah, I would say the first thing to consider is getting clear on three objectives, marketing objectives for the firm for the year. And under each one of those three objectives, aligning it back. So there might be a few bullet points under objective one, two, and three, but aligning it back to either the bigger firm goals. If a firm has an overall, let's say revenue goal for the year, they want to bring in X dollars in business. Okay. So if one of our objectives is to analyze client relationships on a deeper level, okay. So you're going to do a client plan. You're going to do it. You're going to tie that back to how can we reach that revenue goal? I think that what helps in marketing plans as well is, yes, getting really clear on three key objectives, what activities are going to allow those objectives to be successful, and also doing a SWOT analysis. And I know a SWOT analysis comes up a lot as it relates to overall firm planning and perhaps even operational strategy. But from a marketing perspective, I think it's really important to highlight and acknowledge where the firm is has strength um, and and weaknesses and that it's it's okay. Every business has a, has a weakness somewhere or a threat to their business, but how we can tie those back into the strategic plan. So, but I really feel the, you know, to answer your question directly, the, the biggest thing is to get clear on three key objectives for the firm for the year. And do you advise firms, Casey, by doing a SWOT analysis to bolster and work on their weaknesses to bring them up to a level or say, forget your weaknesses. You're never going to be great in that area. Let's work on your strengths and put some clear blue sky between you and your competition. Yeah, I think it depends on the firm and the leadership style, because I feel if you can take the weaknesses and do something with them and make them actionable and turn them who knows, maybe you can turn them into a strength. How can we analyze these in a different way that we can view this as a differentiator for our firm? Um, I do think it depends though on the, perhaps even to uh, how long a firm has acknowledged these weaknesses, because if it's a brand new concept, it may take some time to see you know, how, where the light is at the end of the tunnel. But regardless, I think it is really important to get, the, get those down so that collectively as a leadership team, you understand uh, where the firm is in the marketplace. Explain to me, Casey, why so many accounting firm, probably law firms or websites look exactly the same and why they struggle with differentiation. You know what? It's a saturated market. Let's just call it what it is. You know, I used to joke uh, when I was at the CPA firm, you know, if there was a client that, and, and you know, if there, if you ever had a dissatisfied client at any CPA firm, they could probably push elevator button down three floors, get off the elevator and find a new CPA <laughs> yeah. or find a new attorney. I mean, let's be honest. It's a saturated market. There are CPAs and attorneys on every corner. So why do their websites look the same? Um, it's because I think a lot of times values haven't been revisited in a really long time. And I say that by way of a mission, a vision and the values of a firm. And we hear a lot of the same things across professional services loyalty, trust, responsive, um, knowledgeable. And guess what? All four things I just said, they are really important for a professional services person. But those also all evoke a similar brand footprint. You might see a lot of navy blue or a lot of gold or like things like that, right? But that's why I think it's more important than ever for a firm to analyze their brand. And I'll just note that the firm I was at um, just prior, they had constructed a rebrand right before I started. And it was phenomenally done. It was beautiful. And I will say the website, in my opinion, looks looks quite different from most firms because they chose to do a deep dive. So I guess what I'm getting at is when you're looking at your website as a firm and a couple of your competitors, if it's looking a little bit mirror image, 
I think it's a really good invitation for firms to analyze their brand. Do a word cloud about your values and who you are and what type of people work at your firm and what type of clients you engage with, because that might evoke a new color palette, even a new brand. And so I think it's actually an invitation for firms to look at their brand closer. It's the easy way to say, okay, we need a refresh of our brand. Let's look at what our competition are doing. Let's see what we can learn from the good things they're doing and copy those. Why might that be a mistake? Yeah, it is a mistake. And I think too, what's so funny is we see this a lot in professional services. Um, I'll, you know, partners or, or folks at firms, they heavily rely on what other firms are doing. And sometimes that's a really positive thing. And I'll note that as it relates to um, learning from one another and having deep relationships, because I know a lot of firms where the partners, they have incredibly, and, and marketing professionals have com completely open and transparent dialogues about their firm. So thing one, that's really important, actually, I think is to have that ability to be transparent. But where it gets dangerous to let's say copy paste because you think what another firm's doing right there, you're already not allowing your firm to be unique in the marketplace. You're not identifying a differentiating piece because you're looking at a competitor and saying, you know, I really like that they're using green in their logo. That's not something I've seen, or I really like how they're doing this. Certainly learn from each other, but acknowledge that your firm is a firm because it's different than the firm down the street, right? If you haven't been absorbed or you haven't um, been bought out or you're, you're a firm that's more than however anniversary years old you are, you're there for a reason. You have enough clients coming in for you to sustain your firm. So make sure you're paying attention to your own unique differentiators and not just copying others. And it must come back to what clients want and see because they must see a hundred different professional firm websites making the same promises with the same values, employing similar people with similar areas of expertise for similar fees. And it becomes really hard for the client to put a thin piece of paper between one offering and another. Absolutely. And that's where I feel, again, what becomes important is both having your internal brands, your, your people be equipped to talk about what makes your firm unique. So that coaching aspect of your team and, and allowing them to know what you do. But I also will, will say too, I heard this term at a conference many years ago, and I, I now use it often when I'm explaining what I feel firms can do more of to kind of find that is instead of using terms like cross-selling, cross-solving. So wherever we're putting the word sell, let's change that with the word solve. And I think that that helps because first of all, it makes it less intimidating for a lot of people who aren't salespeople. So CPAs and attorneys and wealth planners, they might not be salespeople by nature. So the word selling is like, I have to go sell business. How am I going to do that? But if you tell someone in professional services to go solve a problem, they're going to put on their thinking cap immediately and solve that problem. So why I feel that help with that paper thin change, you know, or what's the difference is if you're a firm that's encouraging your, your team to solve and work together. And by the way, don't look any further than person three doors down or remotely, you know, three doors down from you. You may be able to have some low hanging fruit for an existing client that you can solve a problem with someone already within your firm. So I think that that helps too, from a brand development perspective is teaching and coaching teams to solve together within the firm. I really like that distinction. And these days, marketing is often about retaining the clients that you've already got and upselling, cross-selling those. I had a lovely story the other day about a, a lady that sat in the 
chair of her orthodontist, her dentist. And he said, Julie, your teeth are really white. And she said, yeah, I, I wanted to get my teeth white. And he said, where did you go? She said, I, I went to this place down the road. Well, how did you find them? They put an ad in a local magazine and I saw they did teeth whitening. So I went to get them done. And he said, well, you do know that we do that, don't you? She said, well, I, I had no idea. And this idea that your clients have no idea of, I'm saying idea a lot. They have no clue of all the things that you do. And I had another story about a consultant that had gone into a, a meeting of partners at a professional firm and said, write down the number of services you think are currently on your website for all the things that your firm does. And the answers ranged from five to 27, and none of them got it right. So that's the partners in the firm themselves don't know exactly what they're offering. So what chance do the clients have? So what part does marketing play in all of that? Absolutely. I, it's so critical, actually, because again, if we look at certain things from a top-down perspective, it's really important that partners are intimately aware of what is being projected out externally of what the firm can do and sell. And I think what's really important too, and this is something that we I did at my prior firm, and again, this is kind of a brainchild of, again, colleagues over the years and attendance at conferences, but conducting these client plans where essentially each year, a part, each partner picks a top client and Top can be flexible. What does top mean? Top could mean highest build, tenure with the firm, so on and so forth. But you get together with the entire engagement team, starting with a you know new hire associate up to the, the partner, and you're taking a deep dive about that particular client. And that includes talking about the low-hanging fruit. Here's on a matrix all the services we offer. Here's the ones that we're providing to this client. Here's ones they're frank, they're never going to need from us. And where is that middle ground of they're not currently getting it from us. They don't not need it. So they may need this support. Do they even know that we offer that? Do they know that we can do a business valuation? Do they know that we offer this specific type of auditing? They may not know. And, and I, the client may not know. So it's really important that teams can see and understand the value in what we, the term I keep using, but in that low hanging fruit, but they have to know it exists. The team has to know the fruit's growing on the tree. <laughs> yeah. Casey, if accountants listening need a bit of help with this, if they reach out to you, what sort of things do you help them with? How does that conversation go? Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, I'm happy to talk to people just to give them high level ideas of where, you know, I can certainly impart upon them some of my knowledge over the years of working with um, CPAs and, and with accounting firms, um, I'm happy to take people's questions and, and share from my perspective what I've seen success with. Because they can get so close to what they do. They don't see the bigger picture, do they? Right, right. And I think too, again, often with with uh, partners or managing partners or people running firms, again, they're, they have a lot of priorities and it's, it can be very tax, not to use AS, not to, no, taxing. Um, it can be very taxing to have the priorities of bringing in a client uh, or bringing in business satisfying clients, keeping your people happy, making sure all the internal and operational functions are running. That's a lot for one or a, an executive committee to manage. Um, and to your point, it can be hard to see as the phrase goes, the forest through the trees a bit of, of prioritizing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm always open to a conversation with anybody who would want to talk more or how to help kind of uh, manage ideas. And you work internationally, not just in the U.S., don't you? Yeah, well, yes. So we do. We have clients um, in Canada. Um, and so that makes us international, even though we are based <laughs> in the U.S. But yes, we do. We work with, um, we have clients all over. And it says Calibri Law Firm Management on the front of the building, as it were. But you've got a foot in the CPA space as well, don't you? 
I do right now. Actually, one of my clients is the Canadian um, client that I reference is a CPA firm. Um, so I'll just note and, um, you know, at Calibri Law Firm Management, we really do focus on, you know, overall law firm management. So that's what people would be getting. And through that, there is the opportunity for marketing. Um, I'm just noting that as, as kind of part of this dialogue. So really what, what firms would come to Calibri first for would be overall law firm management and a chief of staff, which we have wonderful chiefs of staff that firms can work with. And if marketing is a priority of the firm, um, then that is something that we could do as an additional service to talk more about. Well, I've heard CPA firms are even bringing in additional services under the legal banner as well to offer legal services to the clients. So you're well-versed to offer them advice on that, aren't you? It's an interesting time, yes. <laughs> uh, Casey, final thoughts. We'll put your contact yeah. details in our show notes, how people can reach you. What advice would you give to marketers in professional firms, particularly CPA firms, that are having a hard time getting through to the board and, and partner level to get buy-in for their decisions and their strategic direction for the firm? Yeah, I think that it is being consistent and being confident. So to that end, I believe that it is getting the time in front of the right people at your firm. And I know that that can be challenging as we discussed, people are very busy. Um, people have different agendas for different meetings, but if you can, as a marketing professional, get in front of your, you know, get, get in attendance at the partner meeting, bring the strategic plan and show either monthly or quarterly, the progress that's been made. I think that's a big piece. People want to know what's been the return, what's been the progress. The business so, case. Yes, Yeah. exactly. So the buy-in increases when you're showing that I said in January, these were the goals for this quarter. And you go back in April and say, this is what we accomplished January through March. That's where the buy-in and uh, it really can continue to build momentum. So I say consistency and confidence in what you're doing. That's great. Casey Blake, thanks so much for your time and your insights today. Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Influencers in Accounting. Brought to you by Advanced Track. Your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers, and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Thank you for listening to this new talent in accounting podcast this is a relatively new show but already has over a thousand listeners so we appreciate you tuning in and sharing the show with your connections if you have a potentially good guest you'd like to see on the show with some great insights on talent reach out to me on linkedin with a message and we'll follow them up and as we build this show up we're looking for a couple of sponsors for whom talent and the accounting finance space is important Loads of great opportunities to get your brand out there and show your key messages and even get some of your own guests on the show. Again, drop me a message on LinkedIn to tee up that conversation. And for great podcast content elsewhere, make sure you subscribe to our main show, Accounting Influencers, goes out every Monday. And join the 40,000 listeners in 150 countries for brilliant interviews with the top leaders, experts, and influencers in the accounting and fintech world. Finally, why don't you join us and our community with some conversations at our next virtual speed networking session. These are now taking place every two months for accounting, finance, and tech professionals. 75 minutes of speed dating, great discussions, raising your personal profile, making new connections. Go to accountinginfluencers.com. 
to register your free place for our next event. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day.